the final frontier. These are the voyages of the Starship Enterprise, its continuing mission to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new life and new civilizations, to boldly go where no one has gone before. Welcome to Starfleet Boy, where we have a casual and informal discussion about our beloved series, Star Trek. You are listening to a previously recorded conversation. And I'm recording. How about you? I am recording. Are we going right, to do the... Yeah, the clappity-doo. So one, two, three, clap. One, two, three, clap. <laughs> that was awesome. We did that at the same time, I think. At least video-wise. Uh, All right, now I'm starting the on-air hangout. Okay. Welcome to another exciting episode of Starfleet Boy, where we have a casual and informal discussion about Star Trek, and specifically Star Trek The Next Generation. I'm joined by the original (laughs) co-host, the doctor. Hello, doctor. Good evening. How are you today? I'm good. Excellent. Well, today we are going to talk about... Uh, the last episode of season two of Star Trek The Next Generation, also known as Shades of Grey, or widely believed to be the most forgettable episode. Is <laughs> it? Star, Star Trek The Next Generation. I don't know. I, I feel like it is. It's like wow. nothing, okay. nothing, nothing happens. It's the most nothing. Well, do you want to give the episode summary? <laughs> no, I don't. All right, the episode summary is very simple. Uh, The crew of the Enterprise are surveying a new planet. I think it's called Serata (laughs) Serata 4. Um, And Commander Riker is pricked by a thorn growing on a a vine that is able to uh, (laughs) to hunt, I guess. And the result of this uh, this prick uh, causes him to fall into a state of par- paralysis uh, in the beginning, and then eventually it's going to overtake his whole entire entire neural system, and he'll die. Um, so uh, Dr. Pulaski is racing to save him, and she does all kinds of um, uh, inhibitive. Uh, uh, treatments to keep uh, to keep the uh, infection at bay, and she's unsuccessful until she realizes that when Commander Riker is having bad memories, uh, all of a sudden um, the uh, the uh, parasitic uh, uh, disease is is thwarted. So she uh, focuses her neurotransmitters to give him only uh, horrible memories, and uh, it ends up saving his life. And we, the audience, are then graced by a, uh, <laughs> a flashback 
series of flashbacks of the entire uh, season one, basically season one and season two highlights uh, through Riker's uh, memories and, and dreams. And that's about it. The episode ends with Riker being saved and uh, season two ends. And as we all know, um, now we know this, but this is uh, Dr. Pulaski's last episode. So there's a bit of sentiment there. And uh, that's it. Bob's your uncle. Episode's over. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to recreate the pricking scene, which you keep referring to. So here's, here's the plant. And here's Riker. He's walking along. La, 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 la. Ah, 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 ah. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> that was very good. What was that Seymour from uh, Little Shop of Horrors? Or what was that? What was it that? looks like it, right? A little yeah. bit. Uh, it's not quite bit, the right yeah. shape, though. And not the same, not the right color, but uh, it does look like Seymour from Feed Little Shop of Seymour. Horrors. It is. <laughs> Feed me. It's actually from Marvel Comics. Hmm. Who knows what it is? <laughs> so I said earlier that this is probably one of the most forgettable episodes. It's because, uh, well, in my opinion, I I could see why these kinds of things were necessary um, in the days of uh, in the golden days of television when you had a whole new audience tuning in and kind of you know needed you needed to give them kind of a uh, uh, a way of knowing what what happened before correct right and I think that Battlestar Galactica was one of the first shows to successfully kind of do away with that when they did these specials actually Uh, well maybe that's the first show that I remember doing it it might have been done uh, before Battlestar Galactica it probably was but I think I prefer that where you're like watching an actual special that is like hey this is what's happened so far in the story so you watch that for like half an hour 45 minutes and then you can just go right into the next season Um, well Lost I think think Lost did that too and shows like Alias and Lost did that they had little recaps because I remember Lost, I didn't start watching it until season two, and it was only because of season the season one. It was like an hour long promo that they ran um, uh, prior to season two on Directv. So, um, oh wait, but that came out after Battlestar, so maybe you're right. It might, have, right. yeah. I mean, I'm not sure. I'm not an expert on TV, obviously, right. but. Um, the first time I just, in my personal experience, remember it was Battlestar Galactica. I thought, oh, this is great. Like, we don't have to do those silly flashback episodes, which is what this episode well, is. <laughs> I have to, I'm, I'm going to surprise everybody, and I'm going to say I have a soft spot for the flashback episodes. <laughs> uh, I grew up with them. I mean, they all had them. Sitcoms had them. Drama shows had them. And you're absolutely right in pointing out that it was a function of this of the show uh, to to remind audiences after they've run for a while to sort of uh, you know re- number one remind the regular audience how far the characters have come and also to uh, update newer uh, newer viewers oh this is the relationships between these people on the show and all that stuff and of course it was a very cheap episode so it's a wonderful cost saver 
Uh, I mean, let's think about how many sets did we see in this episode? We saw sick bay and a plant and a, and a random and a, and a random right. planet, <clears throat> right? Which is probably doubles as one of Worf's holodeck, uh, <laughs> you know, programs. So, but it's counter. I think it's counterintuitive to end a season. So this is season two, uh, from my understanding, was uh, was a season in which a lot of kind of um, horrible things were happening. We had the writer's strike. We had this drama where uh, Gates McFadden was replaced with Diana Muldar and no real explanation for it, just kind of like, oh, she's promoted. Um, and then if I, if I recall correctly, uh, just again from personal experience and just like vague memories of, of articles at the time, but the ratings actually slumped in season two uh, for the most part. And I am a testament to that because unfortunately because of my you know, kind of uh, anger about the replacement of Dr. Crusher, if you can believe I it. I didn't even watch. I didn't even watch it, really. I kind of, like, tuned out a little. And that's unusual for me, uh, being such a, you know, Star Trek fanatic. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, so thank you for remembering that. I, I forget that... Um, you and I have memories longer than the road that stretches on ahead. Uh, but um, <clears throat> so I think that, like, um, you know, maybe it would have been prudent to go out with a, a bang, but maybe not. I don't know. Uh, I think uh, I remember um, in, when I was doing a little bit of research about this time, Recently, I remember someone referring to this episode as a bottle episode, and that's, I think, what you just described. It like doesn't really require a lot of budget or anything like that. So yeah, I, right. Yeah. So right. So you you just you liked this episode. What what did you? It doesn't. <laughs> well, I'll say this: the episode. Um, I don't. I don't hate the episode because um, number one, it it shows us a lot of uh, great highlights of the show, and and a lot, and they're focused on Riker. I mean, the the show actually is an an interesting. Um, it's an interesting choice that they picked Riker to be the one to uh, to have all these flashbacks because I would. You know, normally what would happen is that the main character on the show would hit their head, you know, and start remember, you know, have the the memory problems or, or whatever, <laughs> you know, and and on an ensemble show like this, I would have, I actually could have imagined uh, an episode where a virus had hit Data, and they had to recover his memories somehow. Which I think that does happen I, later on, <laughs> if I'm not mistaken. Really? I don't remember. I'm not but, sure. But I mean <laughs> But something like I would have I would have imagined it would have been Data or or Picard. But I was very surprised that it's actually Riker. And I think it's interesting that he is the one who's experiencing this and um and because obviously, you know, everything that we see in the flashbacks are Riker's memories, so right. they all have to. You know, we don't see scenes where he's obviously where he's not in it. Um, so I, I thought that was that was uh, that it was interesting that he's the focus of the show, and of course that brings in um, Troy, who um, you know is actually used to good effect because 
you know, you, you, you have a situation where you have the science, which is Pulaski talking about, well, the memory ingrains and this and that and blah, blah, blah. And then you have Troy feeling, you know, telegraphing what he's feeling. So you have those two characters working in tandem over Riker. And, of course, they both have a strong relationship to him because uh, Pulaski, is that, is that Khan? Uh, yes, Khan is uh, wreaking havoc through the uh, goodness through the city here. Um, it but, might be Khan and, <laughs> and the guy from Star Trek Beyond. Uh, oh, uh, Crawl. No, Crawl. Yeah, General. No, uh, whatever his name oh, is. I can't remember. Whatever. <laughs> um, I will say to your point that up until Riker goes into a coma, I was pretty delighted by the performance. I thought Jonathan Frakes was great. Um, as usual, I liked his uh, kind of charm even in this situation like uh and then and then you know it was kind of a i did get sucked in when troy comes over and they're talking and they're having like very tender dialogue between each other and then all and then all of a sudden you know he uh goes into his his coma uh and from that moment on you have uh troy you know, sensing his his emotions, and we, and it does lead Dr. Pulaski uh, successfully to discover that it is the negative or kind of like more intense emotions that 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 will uh, subdue this uh, this infection. Uh, I thought it was even funny one that one time where uh, you know uh, Troy kind of was like, uh, Oh, he's having some interesting memories right now. And she's like, well, are they erotic? And, and it's like, she's like, yeah. <laughs> it's like, okay. So, I mean, I don't know, but I just thought the show to me, uh, the flashbacks were just like kind of compressing things. And it, it made me feel like the show was being taken out of context a little bit just to appeal to, to try to appeal to new fans to just say like, hey, check this show out. It's very action packed and it's also very sexy, you know, which Star Trek The Next Generation is those things. But I think the show should speak for itself. And, and again, I just I just felt like it was such a disappointing season finale. It did remind me of uh, recently on uh, Drunk Space Nine, we did a parody of Drunk Space Nine, which is kind of weird where we uh, pretended we were uh, doing a Voyager show. And uh, the, the episode that we reviewed was the one where Tuvok is having actually a similar experience where he's infected by this disease that is causing him to relive sort of a false memory. And uh, Captain Janeway mind melds with him and goes into his deep memories. And, and then we find Tuvok's... Uh, his oh, it's da- the Sulu episode, The Sulu right? episode, exactly. The days on the Excelsior. And I and I thought that was like so much better. Like it would have been cool if for some reason Troy had to bond with Riker and journey into one of his previous it would have been neat to see Riker before the Enterprise, maybe a memory of him serving on another ship or Starfleet Academy or you know, something like that. And you could have also interspersed, you know, like a, a few choice uh, uh, highlights of previous uh, episodes as we're going through that journey, but alas, uh, <laughs> that, that did not happen, and instead we get Shades of Grey, <laughs> which to me was a very lackluster and disappointing season finale. It is a very disappointing <laughs> season finale. It's uh, it's just yeah. I mean, it, it's uh, 
It's a poor choice, and I think it just shows that they literally must have just run out of money. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they just sure. ran out of money, scripts, and everything. It was just like, and it's funny because I, I know Doctor Who uh, has had season finales <laughs> <laughs> where they run out of money. Like in it's the like, oh, of, like no, like, oh, no one was it. minding. No more money. <laughs> it's like Sorry. no one was minding the budget. That's really funny. It's like, ah, that's it. You know, they're gonna shut off the lights. Let's just go. Just don't worry about the monster. Don't worry. Uh, and this episode <laughs> reeks of of. They're gonna shut co- off the lights. <laughs> Literally, yeah. <laughs> wow. Um, and this this show kind of, uh, it, it's, it, yeah. It just seems. I mean, as a season finale, it's got to be the worst of the entire series. Um, it doesn't give you anything really to look forward to, and now it does. You know, it, it does make you look back, uh, but. I think a season finale should be should work both ways. I think it should, you know, um, also give you something to look forward to next season, um, unless of course you're you're trying to to end things. And and no, it's just sort of, um, you know, it's just blah. Uh, I mean, again, I don't hate it because I guess you have a soft spot I, for. <laughs> I, I I understand what they were trying to do, and I th- I think today especially, it it just seems like a like a relic of of an older way of uh, making television. Like yeah. you said, it's not something that people do, and I don't think it's some something shows do anymore, especially in this age where you can just. Uh, I mean, I can't imagine a show like a, a show that's streamed on Netflix or Hulu having an episode like this because people would be like, "What did I just pay for?" I mean, I can just, you know, go back, like, you know, right there in the queue and see these episodes again. I don't need an episode to show them to me again. But, of course, in the days when this aired, we did not have these episodes readily at hand. We didn't have them on on VHS right away. Yeah, Uh, you're absolutely right. The uh, the summer was, of course, the time where they would do repeats, but they wouldn't repeat the entire season. They would only repeat certain episodes because there just wasn't enough time and they could be preempted. So um, it served a purpose. And I think within the framework of of what it was doing, I think it was it was effective. But of course, it's 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 a one shot. It's it's. You know, to rewatch it is is purely an exercise, and and I don't know, it's it's something for like what we're doing. It's you know, <laughs> you only watch it because well, we're watching all of them, but there's no point to it now, uh, other than the performances. And as you pointed out, uh, Riker is a wonderful, uh, or rather, the actor uh, William Frakes. Is a wonderful John, ambassador, Jonathan Frakes. Jonathan Frakes sorry, <laughs> William Riker, Jonathan Frakes. Right. Jonathan Frakes as William Riker is an excellent ambassador for the show to any new audience member. I think he's probably one of the the the, the best characters uh, to hook you into watching the show. And you know, if you rewatch the pilot, you know Riker goes and visits Data. 
which I think that scene is is covered in their flashbacks, I believe. That's right. Yeah, it's interesting that you say that because here we have a new show coming up, Star Trek Discovery, and they're claiming that the captain will not be the main character of the show. But in a way, Star Trek The Next Generation had a great uh had a great way of kind of like decentralizing um the lead in a way and 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 you pointing that out it reminds me that Riker's a great example of where where a secondary character actually for a lot of people is a primary character and i think the show kind of organically does what discovery might be doing purposely right and um i mean it seemed to me i i still believe that uh the first season uh, Riker was being primed as a the main character in many ways. I think what ended up happening is what happens in many shows is that you discover the strengths as you go along. And of course, Patrick Stewart is just such a phenomenal actor. Oh my and god! Then, yeah, you know he mm-hmm. he did not leave the show. Mm-hmm. He you know uh, he was up to being you know the lead and and um, and people responded to him very well and of course data was a breakout character and and Riker I think in another I think in an earlier time Riker would have been the breakout character and 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 I I think this episode still has a uh, uh, still shows that they were you know he's still there he's still people certain people behind the scenes thought Riker's the guy and um, but I, and in, but in I, some ways he yeah. is you know but and and I I think that but uh, but I want to maintain and I th- and obviously we can explore this as we continue on our journey but I think Star Trek the Next Generation is uh, more than the original series uh, balances each character each of our main characters and kind of tells their story in a more or less in an even way um, we we've we throughout the series we get like I think a lot of insight a lot more insight into characters on the Next Generation than we ever did on some of the characters in the original series where we had to rely on, you know, expanded Star Trek, expanded universe sources or, you know, uh, novels. I think within the, within the show itself, there's a lot of exploration of some of the secondary characters, uh, more obviously because we had seven seasons rather than three, (laughs) but even, but even with the movies, the focus is still very much on Kirk, Spock and McCoy. And, um, you know, here in Star Trek The Next Generation, I feel like I really know all the characters really well, and I feel like they... Just the feeling. I'm not saying that... Uh, I'm sure if you did a screen time analysis that Captain Picard and, and Riker and Data might dominate, but I'm just saying as a impression-wise, feeling-wise, uh, to me it feels like a very well-balanced portrayal of all these characters. Yeah, you've always said that. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Um, <laughs> interesting uh, thing on the Wikipedia about this episode. Um, oh, uh, yeah, I, I was looking up something else, and I just found this, and I thought this was a funny thing uh, to to relay. But the episode was intended to save money at the end of the season by being a bottle episode, which featured few additional characters. The only guest star was Cole Meany as reoccurring character Ma- Chief Miles O'Brien. I like that scene where. Uh, Pulaski has to beam down and again right. we talked about this on a previous episode of Starfleet Boy for peak performance um, uh, uh, the major who you haven't met yet she was on the episode and she was pointing out how 
Dr. Pulaski was so different from Dr. Krushina. And I was remembering that you said something about how some of the scripts might have been rehashed from Star Trek Phase 2 or whatever. And so a lot of what you might, what Dr. Pulaski says, you might actually attribute to Dr. McCoy if this had been, um, a re, you know, the Star Trek Phase 2. So they probably took some of that material and rehashed it because of the writer's strike. But anyways... This, the reason was that the show had overspent on the episodes, Elementary, Dear Data, and Q Who, and Paramount Studios was holding the series to their overall season budget. It was the last episode on which Maurice Hurley acted as head writer. He referred to the episode as a piece of shit and terrible, just terrible. He turned in the idea of a cheap clip show to save money and wrote the first draft of the script with Richard Manning and Hans Beamler conduct- conducting rewrites. So so our our guesses or our impressions of the show were spot on, it looks like. Let me, uh, let's consult uh, what the companion says. It says about this, yeah. And, uh, <laughs> let's see, probably it says the exact same thing you just read. While you look, um, while you look through there, um, here's another little blurb that says from 2008, uh, from Trek Nation. Shades of Grey is widely reviled as the worst ever next-gen episode with good reason. This isn't an episode that makes anyone look good, and I don't just mean Pulaski, Troy, or LaForge. I mean the writers, directors, and producers of the series, even Marina Sirtis and Diana Moldar seem to be trying too hard to make the paper-thin storyline work. Over-emoting and making absurd faces, the only person who deserves... Any kudos is Jonathan Brakes, who somehow manages to keep Riker his usual yeah. charming self. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, the only thing to add is um, the show was shot in three days. Oh, wow. My gosh, three days. And um, it was directed by Rob Bowman, who's one of the Trek regulars and probably one of the best directors of next generation that that must and have been like a first take let's go ed wood style right yeah <laughs> and uh the drug uh tri also used in who watches the watchers and in yesterday's enterprise is a likely descendant of cortisone the drug that fired McCoy with enough hysterical paranoia to change history in the original Trek episode, City on the Edge of Forever. <laughs> wow. I, uh, I think that's probably all we can say about this episode. Yeah, I think so, too. What a, uh, <clears throat> so we're going to move on to our series recap which we, uh, which will be our second annual, our second one, not annual, but our, <laughs> our second one ever. We did this for the um, first season, but I guess before we go into that, uh, we obviously have to give this our our approval ratings. Now, uh, Doctor, we've recently switched. I don't know if you were you weren't on uh, the the big group episode that we did. Um, sorry, we missed you, but we understand you were traveling. Uh, you know, discovering new worlds and new civilizations. So it's all right. Indeed. <laughs> um, but we've switched from ratings to just to honor Siskel and Ebert, some of our favorites. Uh, we're just going to do thumbs up and thumbs down from now. What? Yeah. <laughs> you can still give a rating. Who the hell came up with this? You can, I did, and you could. Can... <laughs> 
<laughs> you can still give a rating if you want to, but if you could try to distill it into a thumbs up or a thumbs down. No, there's no <laughs> nuance. That's crap. Then then half the show is a thumbs down. For me. What would you have given? Let's go to classic ratings. What would you have given this episode in, in a classic I, rating? I, oh, well, I, this is a bad example. I mean, this is not a great episode. This right. episode... Is uh, is a thumbs down, <laughs> and and it's probably uh, uh, a two. Oh, okay. So, but that's fair. It is a thumbs down. No, because for me, anything under, <laughs> I don't know, most of the stuff's gonna be a thumbs down for me. <laughs> well, that's fine. Oh my gosh. No, there's no nuance. <laughs> fine, fine. I'm, I'm giving numbers. I don't care what you do. You can. <laughs> All right. Well, obviously, I'm also giving this episode a thumbs down. And actually, my rating is exactly the same as yours. Uh, Riker's Charm is the only thing that gave it a two. So I guess I'm going to have to reevaluate the thumbs up, thumbs down the thing. The hell came up you. with this? I, I came up with know. <laughs> I came up with it to simplify things. I thought the ratings were a little... Gosh. The ratings are of grandeur, man. <laughs> Jeez, gone for a little while, and and Luke develops delusions of grandeur. And That's what happens when you're carbon frozen. Um, God, <laughs> the hell. Speaking of which, uh, since rest in peace, yeah, Princess Leia. Princess Leia. Since and and on that subject, since this yeah. episode's going to air a little sooner than our, uh, well, the recap one will go in the same time. I just want to say that um, I saw the documentary um, for uh, uh, Carrie Fisher and her mother's uh, her mother Debbie Reynolds, and uh, it's heartbreaking and so good. And if you have HBO or if you can sign up for that 30-day HBO um, trial, it's worth it just to watch this documentary. It's called Bright Lights. And while we're on the subject of documentaries, while I was on my carbon freeze or my hiatus um, traveling, um, I saw the uh, For the Love of Spock documentary. Emma and I saw that too. Oh my gosh. It, and it is delightful. I was shocked. Yeah. Such a raw documentary. It was really great to see, um, you know, the the story of his family life and his son and just all the, the that family's really been through quite something. Um, uh, and so it was, it was a neat way to see um, Leonard Nimoy's uh, life. And, and I think a touching and wonderful tribute from a son to his father. Yeah, I, I had no idea that there was those tensions uh, because, of course, you know, I mean, I remember, um, if I'm not mistaken, Spock, Adam Nimoy directed the two-parter with Spock. Oh, wow, that's Generation. right. You're absolutely right. I think so, so yeah. I have that in my, you know, I remember, and he directed other episodes of Star Trek. That's right. And he, of course, directed, I remember when he did the episode of The Outer Limits with Letter Nimoy, so... In my in my mind, I, I just always assumed that that uh, it was the son following in the footsteps of his father uh, as a director, and you know, using the Star Trek hookup. And so I, I was surprised that there, there you know, at the uh, that there was tensions at different parts of of their lives, especially at the end, you know. And then they they re they eventually, of course, they reconciled, but that you know, the, the, in the latter part. Of their lives, there was tensions, and they didn't speak. And uh, I didn't even know Leonard Nimoy 
was divorced and oh yeah and, all the all the and, things uh, the problems with with drinking um, but you know I think it, the documentary just shows that um, we live in a very different time you know we grew up with this guy I had no idea and and really in a way you know it uh, you know I, I'm glad I didn't know all those things when I was younger, you know? Um, well, I'm I'm a firm believer in the right to privacy, and I do think that right. while celebrity does bring inherent obligations to the public, you are, you're, you're working, you know, in a, in a, in a public, uh, centric, uh, field. Um, I do believe that there are things that you have rights to keep private and those, th- those are things that go on in your life and in your home. And yeah. unfortunately, you know, <clears throat> today that's a lot harder to do, obviously, like, mm-hmm. you know, based on just what we, what little we knew about Leonard Nimoy. And I'm, and, and I'm glad actually that I didn't know, you know, I, I know that fans, I, I know that fans want to know, like, I definitely, I'm never going to like turn away a nugget you know if it's presented to me but most of the time at the end of the day it doesn't really matter because we're all flawed you know, humans are all flawed and there shouldn't be an unreasonable expectation on a celebrity uh other than you know what they do in public like you don't want to you know Leonard Nimoy wasn't stealing Lamborghinis uh, and and getting high and and drunk and driving around uh, in in Miami and then getting arrested, you know. But uh, right. I don't know who that was a reference to. But <laughs> <it was> like <laughs> neither do I. <laughs> but that's how hip we are. <laughs> but anyways, it was a really touching tribute. I thought because it was, it was so honest, and um, I was. did like uh, Adam. Nimoy's uh, revelations about his own kind of rough times, um, and you know he's he he's someone that I think uh, is worth following and watching, and you know I think he I hope he stays in the Star Trek uh, fold and and interested in Star Trek, and um, you know uh, obviously uh, we'll see you know with the new series coming out maybe he'll have opportunities to direct episodes of that and that would be really awesome I think for him and for us for fans as well I, yeah I concur there's a uh, list of things that he's uh, that he's worked on with NYPD Blue The Practice Ally McBeal Gilmore Girls which Goldu Scott loves uh, he watches the Gilmore Girls I have um, to tell Emma. I yeah, didn't know that. Yeah, and then Star Trek: uh, The Next Generation, obviously Babylon Five and The Outer Limits. <laughs> Wasn't uh, Walter Koenig on Babylon Five also? Right. He, yes. So and I, like, I, th- I think, I think he may even say he's had a better experience on Babylon Five than on Star Trek. Wow, <laughs> that's terrible. Well, he's he's had a he has a more well-rounded character. For sure, that's true. That's he plays an amazing character, what? Bester. Bester, uh, okay. yeah, he plays a great character, or he played a great character on. Well, I've on never B- seen B5. in earnest. I know Babylon Five, so I'm aware of so that. So I'll have to, I'll have to check it out. I'm certainly aware of that. <laughs> and and to be honest, and I'm gonna get on my little uh, platform for a minute here. Wow, um, <laughs> you know, B Five is is. Fast, 
approaching uh, just being forgotten as a show. Uh, the show does not exist in, on any streaming service. Um, it is out of print on DVD or and has never been released on Blu-ray and will never be released on Blu-ray really because it suffers from the same issues that a lot of the uh, that of course Next Generation suffered from which is the problem of the, the those video effects you know um, B5 was if you remaster Babylon 5 into Blu-ray with the effects that it has it's not going to look great. Right. Let's just face it. Uh, so, you know, it'll never have, you know, a grand uh, Blu-ray set. You know, it's sort of stuck in DVD format. And um, Warner Brothers is just sort of letting it languish. And uh, it's not catching It's not catching new viewers. It's not catching a new audience because nobody is, you know, nobody's repeating it anywhere on television so it's it's uh I feel a particular sadness for it because I, I think if if something doesn't happen soon, people will forget that show. Wow, that's really sad. I as you know, I was obviously very competitive and so I was uh not watching Babylon Five because I only uh-uh. had time for a couple of shows and I was giving my time to DS nine at the time so much time in that sentence but um (laughs) but it does make me sad because babylon 5 did have a huge following at the time i remember there were a lot of people who who were talking about babylon 5 and and so it is it is sad to see a show kind of disappear it won many awards that star trek never did do you have it on dvd my brother does the whole the whole series the whole series oh well treasure that because it sounds like it's on the it's a it's an endangered on the endangered species list of it television is, shows. It is. Yeah. It is. One day we'll do a show. We'll we'll, we'll watch <laughs> every B five episode. From the I'm I'm happy to to go on that journey. We're gonna have to figure out figure out a way for me to watch it though. <laughs> right, right. Hopefully it'll be available somewhere by then. Well, Doctor, I'm gonna go ahead and end our program for today, and uh, and then I'll meet you in a few minutes to do our season two recap episode. Yay! Yay! All right. Thank you for uh, your discussion today. Live long and prosper and see you next time.